We start as we are witnessing the aftershocks, really, of that Supreme Court decision that has imploded the Trump legal calendar. Jack Smith is now suggesting that they move the start date for that trial in the classified documents case down in Mar-a-Lago, a move that comes just one day after the justices slam the brakes on the case against Trump in Washington for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. Late this evening, the special counsel's office filed this new motion that you're seeing here asking for Donald Trump and two of his co-defendants to stand trial beginning July the 8th. One other co-defendant a little bit after that. The special counsel's team wants to get basically at least one case heard before Election Day in November. Trump's legal team responded with a now familiar retort, saying that a fair trial cannot be held until after the 2024 presidential election is concluded. I'm quoting them. But they did offer another date this year, and the judge, who has been mired in some controversy in this case, Judge Eileen Cannon, is expected to hash it out in a hearing tomorrow in Florida. That could be critical to the future of the classified documents case. I'm joined tonight by an attorney who used to represent Donald Trump in the classified documents case and others, Jim Trusty. Great to have you back here, Jim. You know, in this, when you look at it, what Jack Smith is asking for is for Trump and Walt Nauta and, and Carlos to go to trial on July 8th. The three defense attorneys want Trump excuse me, want their trial to start in July, want another one to start in August. Uh, what do you think this likely ultimately lands based on the what Jack Smith wants and what the defense attorneys are arguing? Yeah, I'm going to go with none of the above. <laughs> you know, what's happening, I mean, you, you talk about this judge being, quote, mired in controversy. She's actually taking a very incremental approach to everything when it comes to scheduling, and that's what you normally see in federal court. It's talking to the parties. Where are we on discovery? Where are we on classified documents? You've got five motions to dismiss pending right now. You've got 10 DOJ attorneys entering their appearance on the case. This is not a quick and simple matter. And so Jack Smith, I think the approach he took was desperate to try something against President Trump before the election, which is really the wrong paradigm for DOJ to take, for Jack and the attorney general to take. And of course, the other side is saying, we can't possibly do this before the election. Yeah, there, there's some blame to be had, perhaps, on both sides for taking kind of extreme positions. But as a former prosecutor of 27 years, I can't get over the fact that DOJ is admittedly making this a political exercise. They're basically saying, we've got to do this before the election. And that's just not what you normally see in a white-collar case for a non-incarcerated defendant. So I think we're going to chug along for another month or two. We might see some really fascinating motions hearings in Florida, I think very important ones. But I suspect that trial's not happening this summer for a variety of reasons. Well, they're not explicitly saying it's about the election. That's actually, you know, kind of Jack Smith's thing. He has not mentioned the, the word election in his filings. So, so when do you think the classified documents case for Trump actually happens? Well, it depends on a lot of factors that we don't know yet. You know, there's, there's I think, actually very significant motions, not boilerplate-type things you routine, routinely file, but really critical ones about the Presidential Records Act, uh, the Trump team wants that litigated in about two weeks. And I think even Jack said something about April for that. So that's a huge threshold. I haven't seen a motion relating to the search warrant, but I think that's a very viable issue in this case, which is unusual. Okay, so there's, so there's a lot some of real fundamental argue, stuff. But and you've got the. Where do you guess it could go? Uh, I think if we get past the summer, then the natural reluctance of the court is probably to, to the benefit of President Trump to say, and look, that used to be a DOJ policy. We don't try to interfere with elections by trying cases or even bringing indictments on the eve of an election. So I think if we get to May and she's not locked in on July or August, and we may know more tomorrow, 
Um, that if she's not locked in on those dates, then it might slide the 2025. And that's actually kind of a typical process for a classified document complex white collar case. Yeah, but I'll note that, I mean, these cases were brought some time ago, and certainly the Trump team has sought to delay them because they believe it's to their benefit. And, and so when I look at this and you see what Trump's team is asking for here, the three def the, the defense attorneys for all three co-defendants, what they're asking for uh, in September, I mean, we could find out in June from the Supreme Court what they think about the immunity claim. That would then be able to restart the case in D.C. technically, but, but if this classified documents case is scheduled... Is that a way to kind of box Judge Chuck Kinnan by the by the Trump team by saying, well, sorry, we've got the classified documents case now that we have to deal with and there's no time for the federal election case? Yeah, I mean, good question. I don't know for sure because the judge in D.C. has been very uh, strong-willed about scheduling and, and that has fed into Jack Smith's desire to try that case yesterday. So, yeah, there is this tug-of-war between who's going to have the, the pr scheduling priority, but frankly, the case in front of the Supreme Court uh, could easily have a significant effect in Florida as well and could lead, believe it or not, and I hate to even say this out loud, but to additional litigation about whether or not certain activities were within the scope of presidential responsibilities. It's a little bit like when you have executive privilege litigation. So we could be at round one of a Supreme Court exercise on immunity. If they rule generally in favor of the president, then you could end up having more litigation and more Supreme Court before anybody ever thinks about a real trial date. Well, let me ask you on that, because that is interesting. And in the order, as I was looking at it, the Supreme Court basically defined the question that, they're, that they plan to answer here, which is, and I'm quoting, whether and if so, to what extent does a former president enjoy presidential immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office? One, I notice they are totally ignoring his claims of double jeopardy. It seems like they're not buying that at all. But two, you know, he's been arguing absolute immunity. But since they say whether and if so, to what extent, is that telling you that they don't buy the broad immunity claim right off the bat? I mean, it's a dangerous game to read the tea leaves too much. And, and I, I, though I do agree with you about the double jeopardy claim, that would never really grab me as, uh, as having a lot of traction. Look, I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think there's a little bit of overstatement, which is when they talk about absolute immunity, it's still tempered by the need for the actions to be within the presidential responsibility. So it's not really the king can do no wrong, period. It's he has absolute immunity if the actions are related to specific duties even the outer perimeter of the presidential duty. So it's a real nuanced term, but it basically comes closer to qualified immunity than it sounds. But that's not I think really that's what the Trump's area team... where the Supreme Court is going to be tempted to rule. That's not really what Trump's team argued. I mean, Sorry? they bought in on that, that hypothetical that was floated by the judge about using SEAL Team 6 to kill a political opponent. They said technically, yeah, that, that they did agree with that. So, I mean, that's not Would you... I mean, I don't think anyone would consider that to be an official duty of the president. Right. I hope not. Uh, I mean, look, I thought that was a, a bad moment in terms of kind of conceding to the to the hypothetical that way. And maybe the ultimate feeling tactically is, you know, we're going to shoot for the stars, but we'll be thrilled if we land at the moon, meaning we're overshooting, but we still have that kind of more limited version of immunity to play with. Uh, again, no matter how it went in front of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, I do think that's where the Supreme Court is going to be wrestling, which is, you know, do we afford immunity to acts within that exterior, that outer perimeter of presidential responsibilities? And 
you know, I tend to think they're going to say yes, and that's going to be a huge moment for President Trump. Doesn't necessarily mean Florida goes away automatically because there's a retention of documents after the presidency. There might be a and need for some evidentiary <laughs> hearings or argument on that. But I think the D.C. case would, would be in dire straits, maybe by the explicit language, but certainly by a ruling that favors this idea of kind of qualified immunity. Are you glad that you're not trying this anymore, or how do you feel about it? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Look, anybody that's a trial lawyer, you know, when they see other lawyers, they're like, man, I should be in there doing that. But, uh, you know, look, I, I had a fascinating year representing President Trump, got to make <laughs> uh, some really good friends, meet some very interesting people. I don't regret being on it, and I don't regret being off it. Fascinating is one word. Jim Trustee, thank you for your time tonight.